Hebrews chapter 13, the 13th chapter of Hebrews, we're getting close to ending the book, and those who have asked, what's next? I have the answer, it's actually born out of this series. Today is a fourth sermon, beginning with the title, Honoring. We did the first one using the title, Honoring. And it was entitled, Honoring the God Who Speaks and Has Spoken. Who knows? God speaks. And then a few weeks later, we spoke on honoring marriage. Who knows? Marriage is more than a piece of paper. It's an institution created by God for the betterment of mankind. And then we spoke on honoring singleness. You cannot preach on marriage without doing more than mentioning single people because some people are called to that unique calling And I know married people could not imagine that, but God calls them to. Paul said they actually have it better. Anyway, so that was an encouraging word to honor them. Today we're going to speak on honoring leadership, honoring spiritual leadership. So let's look at verse 7, and then we'll skip a few verses and read two paragraphs. Verse 7 says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Verse 17 is a paragraph in itself. It says, Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Verse 18, next paragraph, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things, desiring to live honorably, but I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you sooner. A statement like that, I really think the book was preached by Paul. And because the grammar in the book is different than Paul's letters, it was probably written by Luke, who wrote Acts. And I understand the grammar is similar to Luke's writings in his gospel, as well as in the book of Acts. And he did travel with Paul. But Paul had a heart for people. And he had a revelation from Jesus. While he did not know Jesus during his earthly ministry, He got to know Jesus afterwards. And so have hope. Maybe you weren't privileged to walk the streets of Jerusalem following the master. None of us were. But Paul, like us, had a relationship with Jesus that gave him great revelation. And the Lord used him mightily, even though he wasn't what you would call an eyewitness. He knew eyewitnesses. And so he cared for these people if it was him, and he says, pray for me, especially because I want to come see y'all. That is, if he was Texan. (laughs) What would a Texan Jew say? None other than shalom, (laughs) y'all. Like to speak to you on the subject briefly for the next few minutes, honoring spiritual leadership. Honoring spiritual leadership. Who knows we need leadership in our lives? This amazing book talks about the greatness of Jesus. 
I mean, he's greater than the angels. He's greater than mankind. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the Torah. He's greater than the Old Testament. He's greater than Melchizedek. He is the son of God. Who knows? Jesus is great. And so we have the greatness of Jesus. And then we have the greatness of his word written, the greatness of the Bible and the greatness of the Holy Spirit, his presence. But then there's the greatness of his people people who are called to make disciples, people who are called to be discipled, people who are called to be led, and people who are called to be leader. Who, who knows? That's all of us. We're all called to be discipled, and we're all called to make disciples. And so, hence this sermon. He's impressing on the importance of leadership in the church. While he's encouraging Jewish believers, he's encouraging Christians in general. Spiritual leadership began, of course, with Abraham. He followed God, so it begins with God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, people who were imperfect, but God in his mercy continued to lead them down his paths. And it leads all the way up to the ministry of Moses and his leadership. And one day, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, came to see him. They're in the wilderness. They've not yet arrived in the promised land. They're kind of going in circles till they all die off that were slaves because they were so unbelieving that the Lord said, okay, your children are going to inherit, you aren't. So during those times, Moses is the peacemaker, and he's leading maybe a million or more people. Some of you would know the more accurate count. So it's from sunup to sundown, even maybe into the late hours of the night, he's counseling people. And Jethro said, this is not good. I wonder if he had a brother named Homer. This is not good. You need to get organized. Organize the people into groups. Large groups, smaller groups, smaller groups, smaller groups. And let the smaller groups have leaders that can judge smaller matters. And, and if they have to go up, it's kind of the, the setup for our judicial system. We have a court for small matters you know, small claims court and then larger matters all the way up to the Supreme Court. So Moses was the supreme judge, representative of God, who is the supreme judge. So the great cases got brought to Moses. But as to who stole my pot of manna, he no longer dealt with that issue. That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> you know, if you're eating manna and you're not allowed to gather manna, on the Sabbath day, and you're to gather a double portion on Friday before sundown, and you don't gather enough, you get hungry, right? Well, your neighbor didn't work for it. God gave it to them, right? So God's my father. Why not help yourself, right? Reminds me of a story in the Liberian newspaper. This is a true story. A church was having service. This, this was kind of like one of those shotgun churches where the ushers are at the door to greet people. The offering table is at the door. They had passed the plate and took the offering back to the table by the door. So the pastor's up preaching. He's the only one facing this way. And he sees a man sneak in the back door and pick up the offering plate and begin to turn to run out the door. And the preacher hollers, that's God's money, oh! And the thief hollered, God is my father, oh, and he took off. <laughs> How in the world did I get into that? <laughs> Honoring spiritual leadership. Who are my leaders and how should I relate to them? 
In preparing this, I had to search my own heart. In fact, ever since I read this text in our journey, it's been in my own heart. Who are my leaders and how should I relate to them? Have I ever had any memorable leaders? Just think of your past. Maybe they've gone on to meet the Lord. Who's ever had a leader that's worth remembering? Right? Uh, I mean, our country was founded by people that are memorable. And churches are pastored by people that are memorable. And if you've been discipled, that person is memorable. Uh, Teresa shared how 39 years ago today she got saved. She remembers that church. She remembers getting to church too early. So she got to... Uh, really be prepared for the day in which she was saved. It reminds me of the time Yvette and I turned our clocks ahead, the time of year when we were to turn them back. <laughs> so we showed up to church two hours early. So we went out and eat and made us late to church. <laughs> How come y'all never announced turning the clocks back? Because when we do, people are late. Oh, we got more time. Remember, Pastor reminded us, we got more time. Let's stay up later. So we announced the fire out of the spring one. You think they're going to continue that? This one we don't announce, so we've got a good crowd today. Have you ever had any memorable leaders? He says, remember those who rule over you, the first phrase in verse 7. Have you ever had any memorable leaders? What lessons did you learn from them? Did you, you know, maybe it was your... My mother discipled me. I can remember her sermons to this day. Did I tell you <laughs> what the Bible says? Dad, I was just scared of him. Mama discipled us. She did chalk talks. She had stick figures she made up. She could have had her own cartoon show. And the figures were named after the shapes of your head. There was Timmy Triangle. The hero was Tommy Hart. And there was Sally Square. And Cindy Circle, and they had adventures. I don't know how she did it. They had adventures, and she taught moral lessons and taught us to behave maybe more than she taught us about Jesus, but we still learn. So you have memorable leaders in your life, examples to follow. Now they're gone. Who's going to take their place? Who? Go look in the mirror. Did their faith teach me God's word? Remember those who've been leaders in your life, who've spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow. Did they walk their talk? They may have spoken the word, but they didn't live the word, so it didn't carry any weight, right? So we're to follow the faith of those who are teaching us. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. One translation says, or paraphrase says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Not imitation in the sense of something artificial. I hate artificial sweeteners. I like the real thing. <laughs> Baby, got to have the real thing. Anyway, <clears throat> pay attention, all right. So we follow the faith of our leaders. My dad did say people will either read our lives and open their Bibles or read our lives and close their Bibles. Paul did say that we are epistles known and read of all men. So people are following your example. It's not don't do as I do, but do as I say. It's do as I say and do. It's show and tell. That's what the Christian life is about. So we don't just have 
the holy principles and the holy presence, the spirit and the word, we have the people of God. How do we relate to them? There's leaders in our midst. That's the way God set it up. Now, America's filled with nomads. They say you could start a church every day and maybe get 100 members or so out of the nomads in the Metroplex. But the problem is they won't stay with them very long because this is a foreign concept to them. Maybe it's Americanism taken to an extreme. You know, Americans are hyper-individualistic. But God relates to us as individuals, yes. You and Jesus do have a thing going, but it's not your own thing going. It's his thing going. You have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you're to be part of a people who have a corporate relationship with Jesus. And this town has over 40 corporate expressions of people that relate to Jesus with leaders and everything. So there's no excuse if 40 churches don't please you, look in the mirror. There's a problem. <laughs> who are my leaders and how should I relate to them? Were these memorable leaders who taught me the word of God through their faith, were their lives an example to follow? So we're to remember those who have the rule over us, following their example of faith, considering the outcome of their conduct. There is a reward to being a faithful leader. Peter wrote in his first letter, chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, the elders who are among you I exhort. I who am a feller elder, feller elder. He'd be from Tennessee then. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So he's preaching to himself. So he's exhorting the elders among them. And here's the exhortation. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. Can you say the word serving? serving. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not because you have to. If your mama called and daddy sent, you probably need to back off. If you uh, go to a church's website and everybody on the staff on the website have the same last name, I don't recommend that church. <laughs> Not that being a preacher's kid should be a handicap to you. It should be an advantage. But people need to work in the real world so they can have empathy, right? Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. I tell you, a lot of TV preachers need to read this. Not to do it for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Do it for Pay to do it if you could. Verse 3, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you. Leaders are servants. They're not lords. They're not little demigods. They're not little dictators. If you're part of a church that is an autocratic and does not have plural leadership, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Maybe it will work for a while, but then when he passes from the scene, someone takes his place. It's kind of like the kings of Israel. You get a good king, the next one's terrible. There's got to be accountability in place for the body of Christ to have a healthy atmosphere. Nor is being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when, here's the outcome of their conduct, when the chief shepherd, can we say Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. That's what we're all going for, right? So whether you're called to be a shepherd or under-shepherd, as I see myself, 
or a disciple of the nations as far away as Thailand, there is a reward coming your way if you are faithful. And in so doing, you'll be an example for others to follow. So here's a big question. Is my life under spiritual authority now? It may have been in the past and you got hurt, but are you under authority now? Verse 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Well, I don't like that language. Well, check out all the other translations. They pretty much say the same thing except for the NIV, which is not my favorite. But for your benefit, maybe you've been hurt by corrupt leadership. Have confidence in your leaders. If you don't have confidence in your leaders, go find someone you can have confidence in. Because without confidence, you can't lead, right? And be submissive. Now, submission is the part that we play, not that the leader plays. Husbands, Ephesians 5 says, wives, submit to your own husbands. But the verse before that says, all y'all be submissive to one another. So there is a mutual submission in marriage. But a wife submitting to her husband is between her and the Lord, not the husband demanding submission. Read the text. There's plenty of homework for the husband to apply to his life. He certainly doesn't want his wife beating her. Well, you've, if you were somebody honorable to submit to, I would submit to you. Just don't, don't go there. It's between them and the Lord. And so as members of a congregation... This is not the pastor's duty to say, you must submit. No, it's between you and the Lord, submit to the leadership of those leading. Keep in mind, these verses are about plural leaders. Remember those who rule over you. Obey those. Not the one, those. It's plural. Plural leadership is kingdom leadership. It's called team ministry. Jesus himself, the supreme ruler of the universe, raised up a team and ministered to people one-on-one, -on -one, yes, but primarily his ministry was with witnesses all around him who he was raising up to be leaders of the church. He established a pattern. Paul, who was late coming on the scene of ministry, traveled with a team. That's how we have records of the things he did in the book of Acts because Luke was part of his Team, yeah. So those that have the rule over us are a team, and we submit to their leadership. If we have a concern, we go to them. If you have leadership that are unapproachable, maybe you can't get to the senior pastor because there's 10,000 members. That's understandable, right? But there ought to be somebody in position to listen. Right? Needs to be somebody. And if they're all just surrounded by security guards because they're scared of their shadow, God forbid somebody should sow discord, protecting the anointing. Who ever heard of that, protecting the anointing? Um, I got to watch it. I've got some soap boxes I can see here. The Lord needs to work some more. I need to call my pastor. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, his first letter, chapter 5, verse 12. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. So know those who labor among you. 
Know who you're, get to know the leadership of the congregation you're part of. Get to know. Well, I think I'm going to start a house church. Go for it. I think I'm just going to get rid of a local church and just have house churches from now on. That's great, but make sure it's the kind of church your kids will want to be part of when they grow up. Otherwise, the legacy of following Jesus may be short-lived. Reminds me of some light bulb jokes. You know how many Methodists it takes to change a church light bulb? Takes four. One to change the bulb, and three to serve refreshments. <laughs> how many Baptists does it take? It takes three. One to change the bulb, and two to complain that it was a woman. <laughs> how many Amish does it take? Light bulbs? I could go on and on. How many charismatics does it take? It takes them all. One to change a bulb and the rest to bind the powers of darkness. <laughs> How many house church people does it take to change a bulb? Only one while the rest complain about how many unnecessary light bulbs an institutional church building has. All right, back to the sermon. They say that's supposed to help hold attention. Hopefully it's not a distraction. So I have to ask this myself, is my life under spiritual authority now? So there's two men in my life that are, that are leaders. They're available at the touch of a phone. And one has weekly Zoom calls I can Zoom into and be pastored. It's this man and this man, Olin Griffin and Carrie Kirkwood. Olin was our pastor from 1987 until now. Vet and I have problems. We've, we've gone to him more than once. One time we went to marriage counseling for like two years at his recommendation of the counselor to go to. I know another pastor that contacted him. He recommended the same counselor. And because the counselor couldn't give him an appointment like that, he didn't heed Olin's counsel. And he just shipwrecked his ministry. You need leadership in your life. You need to do what they tell you to do. Carrie Kirkwood, pastors in Tyler, Texas, Trinity Fellowship. Olin is one of the elders at Gateway Church in South Lake. His church is now a Gateway Campus in Grand Prairie. So, this isn't to get me a, a merit badge or a goofy sticker. This is just where I'm at in, in these things. And I'm accountable to the elders of this church. I'm one of them. And so, I, I'm really not supposed to spend more than $150 without contacting one of them. And if it's over $500, I need to speak to both of them. That's how we have it, have it set up. And if we reach loggerheads in a decision, we wait. And if the wait is too painful, we contact one of these men to seek counsel. We only did it once years ago, and it related to the renaming of our congregation. We were Shady Grove Church. And on this hill with no shade, no grove, two and a half miles from Shady Grove Church, and another pastor in town that was down there having to give people directions to our church before his service began, we needed to make a change. And so we sought counsel. Yeah, so do your leaders have leaders? If he just crawled out from a rock and he has his own revelation from God and won't listen to anybody, I wouldn't let him be your leader. Now, I'm not saying stir up a rebellion. 
You know, I'm not saying split a church. I'm just saying seek the Lord as to what to do. Who are my leaders and how should I relate to them? Here's another question. Are my leaders accountable to anyone? If you filled in the blank, maybe you filled in this one. Uh, And will they be accountable to me? Which, yeah, leaders do have accountability to everybody. But will they be accountable for me? Here's why it's written that way, because of this verse. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. So spiritual leaders, those following you, you have responsibility for. It's kind of like a family. If you have children, you have responsibility for those, for those kids while they're under your roof. Now, once they're grown, you can't become a control freak and, and badger them all the time about their decisions. you got to let them make some mistakes. And so spiritual leaders in our, in our lives will stand before God for not telling people the truth, for selling out the gospel for the sake of being a guest on someone's talk show. There's going to there's gonna, you know, be a, a tough day, judgment day. So, if your spiritual leaders are accountable for you, is their job easy? Will their accounting to God be joyful? Yes, they are awesome. Or, that was not fun. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So on Judgment Day, there's rewards passed out. Here comes the crown of life. Here comes another crown of life. Here comes a pair of roller skates. It was supposed to be funny. I need to stop. (laughs) Who are my leaders and how should I relate to them? Am I faithful to pray for my leaders. Pray for us, he says, for we are confident. Notice in the plural, he's a leader and he's speaking in the plural. There's a team. For we are confident that we have good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Pray for our leaders. So, looking in the mirror, if I need prayer, do I need to hide my needs for prayer from the people I'm serving with? That's not the example of Paul. So here comes a personal prayer request. How about that? You've not seen a vet around a whole lot lately because, as we found out Friday, she is anemic. She has an iron deficiency. So there's a remedy from a doctor what to do with that as well as to research, see what may be depleting iron. And as a result of that, there's a red blood cell deficiency, and that's what carries oxygen to ourselves, hence the reason for the exhaustion. So pray for Yvette, the woman that keeps me accountable more than any person on the planet. She don't let me get by with nothing. I'm here because of her. Who are my leaders and how should I relate to him? Do I have leaders who are relational? But I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. So he's asking for prayer so that he can be with them. 
He's in Rome, and he's asking for prayer because I want to go see you guys. He's relational. If, if you have a spiritual leader, those of you that are watching online as well or on demand, if you have a spiritual leader that has no friends in the church, he needs healing. Maybe he's one of the guys that only wants one friend and he just drains a life out of them and the friend can't take it no more and they got to change churches. You need plural friends, right? So are your leaders relational? Do they care about people? In conclusion, honoring spiritual leadership. Let's just talk for a minute about honoring leadership. How do we relate to the secular leaders in our life? What about our boss? Well, he's not a Bible teacher. He's a Muslim. Well, then you can be a witness. What, what kind of witness is it to have a man pay you $15 an hour and you give $5 worth of labor? Well, I have, I have entitlements. I have perks. I have this. I have that. Yes, you can, but... We're to walk the second mile. Jesus said, if a man compels you to walk a mile, walk with him too. Now, why would someone make you walk a mile with him? Here's the historical context as I understand it. These are the days before the military had jeeps and trucks. They had horses and chariots, and they had footmen. And they walked Roman roads across the empire to their assignments. And it was very orderly. And it was tiresome to carry all that armor as well as your foodstuffs, your beverages. I mean, these guys were tough. So how, how could you travel? Well, as a Roman soldier, you had the authority to draft someone and make them walk a mile with you. And those Roman roads were marked out by the mile markers. So he would just stand by a mile marker, and you may be going the opposite way, heading home, and he stops you, and your heart sinks. Ah, oh, sir, he wouldn't choose somebody that looked like a weakling. He'd choose somebody that looked like they're healthy. Can you help carry my sword, shield, and backpack? And you'd have to do it, or you could be charged with some, some sort of misdoing. And so being a citizen who's all about their rights, they would do what's right. But boy, when they got to the next mile marker, that's all you get and you stomp off. Jesus said, don't be that way. Take them two miles. Which if you're going the opposite way, how far out of the way is that? It's actually four miles out of the way because two miles, now you got to walk those same two miles back. Then you got to explain to your wife why you're late for dinner and hopefully not get... Drafted by another soldier. Maybe they gave you a feather or something to prove you had done your duty. I don't know, but how do we honor leadership in our lives? How do you honor police? Police are like honeybees. If you want the sweetness of honey, you got to deal with the danger of stingers. If you want the sweetness a peace, law, and order, and justice, you got to run the risk of getting stung. I had a dream once 
I was doing something inappropriate in my driving, got pulled off the road, got taken out of the car, handcuffed and put in the back of a squad car. And just as I'm getting in the squad car, something is dropped in my pocket. And I'm sitting in the car, and I have some sort of contraband in my pocket, and I can't get rid of it. And I wake up. And it was a word of wisdom for a young man I was leading. And here was the meaning. If you live close to the edge, you're vulnerable of injustice. So stop living close to the edge. Right? If you want the sweetness of honey in your life, stay a considerable distance where someone couldn't commit a crime against you. I was obviously doing something wrong in that dream to make myself get pulled over. So that's honoring leadership in every capacity. Let me just hammer a little bit on employers. You do not know what it's like to start a company and to have to put up with insurrections, people trying to split your company, steal business from you. Uh, J.P. Grantham has a painting company, and he hired someone who's a member of our church, and this is what he had to put up with. He would get guys started on the, on the day, and then he would leave the job and go bid other jobs, and then he would come back from time to time to check on the progress and to give a hand here and there. And one afternoon he came back, and this employee said, where have you been? Well, I've been out chasing bids and doing some other things. Why do you ask? Well, it's not right that we're doing all the work and you're not here to help us. Where have you been? Well, he didn't last long. He went on to become a policeman, so I know he learned some stuff. Leaders in our lives are to be respected so that we can Lead ourselves. If you won't follow anybody, who's going to follow you? I have a friend that wrote a book entitled, Pastors Make Room for the Rest of Us. And the book was just blasting pastors. And I know this guy very well. He never completed anything he started. He quit everything. And so no matter what church he was part of, he was not a guy to trust because he would abandon the task and then blame the pastor. So be a faithful employee and deal with the imperfections of your boss. They, have, they all have imperfections. They're humans, right? And when the time's right, if they seek counsel, then speak up. I mean, if it's unbearable, speak up. But don't stir up an insurrection. You'll lose your job, and then you'll suffer the consequences. And suffer. Suffering's fine if you learn from it. But if this thing's a pattern and you're not learning from the suffering, what is that? Well, what is this? Well, this is a spanking, I guess. Honoring spiritual leadership also involves honoring leadership. Paul told his younger protege in his first letter, chapter 2, verse 1, 
I exert, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. This is all kinds of prayer. Who knew? Giving thanks is a form of prayer. All kinds of prayer. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. Be made for all men. Can you say everybody? Everybody. Including these people in verse 2. For kings and for all that are in authority, if they're in your favorite party. For kings and for all that are in authority that are there legitimately. Doesn't say that. If they're in authority, we're to pray for them. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. If you have been involved in spreading information on our leaders that is not 100% accurate, that is a form of bearing false witness. I do not care how funny it is. I preach it to myself today. We're called to pray. Ultimately praying for their salvation. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that it will bear fruit in our lives in Jesus' name, Lord. I pray that we would walk differently, we would talk differently, and we would become great leaders, every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.
honor the name of Jesus, we're not talking about five letters, two syllables, or in our alphabet, you know, six letters, Yeshua in Hebrew. We're talking about his character. We're talking about who he is, his worth. And we use it in referring to ourselves, like if, if you go to the bank, they're going to see how good your name is. How good your name is, is your reputation, your character, who you are, what you're about, everything about you. So it's all wrapped up in his name. Amen. Death couldn't hold him. So his character is one of power over death, hell, and the grave. One of mercy one of grace, one of love, one of leadership. You can take his word to the bank. Powerful name of Jesus. Now I want to transition the service to praying for those whose names aren't so great. Praying for our leaders, our secular leaders. Pray for wisdom. Pray for understanding. Pray that they make righteous judgments, that they're not just rubber stampers or not just, you know, drama causers, but that they're wise and they move forward with dignity and integrity. They're people of their word, that they'd be protected and that their needs would be met. Pray for our leaders nationally, regionally, and locally. Can you do that? Let's form groups of three or four, any more than five or six. It would take too long for everybody participating in praying. Only do this if you're comfortable and don't make people pray. But can we do this just right now? Just gather in circles and let's pray for our leaders and pray for Yvette too. 